Section 12 of Essays, Book 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Malone. Essays, Book 3, by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Upon some verses of Virgil. But to proceed... Whence, too, can proceed the usurpation of sovereign authority you take upon you over the women who favor you at their own expense? Si fortiva dedit mira minuscula nocte, if in the stealthy night she has made strange gifts. Catullus 68, 145. So that you presently assume the interest, coldness, and authority of a husband. Tis a free contract. Why do you not, then, keep to it, as you would have them do? There's no prescription upon voluntary things. Tis against the form. But it is true with all that I in my time have conducted this bargain as much as the nature of it would permit, as conscientiously, and with as much color of justice, as any other contract, and that I never pretended other affection than what I really had, and have truly acquainted them with its birth, vigor and declination, its fits and intermissions. A man does not always hold on at the same rate. I have been so sparing of my promises that I think I have been better than my word. They have found me faithful even to service of their inconstancy, a confessed and sometimes multiplied inconstancy. I never broke with them whilst I had any hold at all and what occasion soever they have given me never broke with them to hatred or contempt. For such privacies, though obtained upon never so scandalous terms, do yet oblige to some good will. I have sometimes, upon their tricks and evasions, discovered a little indiscreet anger and impatience, for I am naturally subject to rash emotions, which, though light and short, often spoil my market. At any time they have consulted my judgment, I never stuck to give them sharp and paternal counsels, and to pinch them to the quick. If I have left them any cause to complain of me, tis rather to have found in me, in comparison of the modern use, a love of foolishly conscientious than anything else. I have kept my word in things wherein I might easily have been dispensed. They sometimes surrendered themselves with reputation, and upon articles that they were willing enough should be broken by the conqueror. I have, more than once, made pleasure in its greatest effort to strike the interest of their honor, and where reason importuned me, I have armed them against myself so that they ordered themselves more decorously and securely by my rules, when they frankly referred themselves to them, than they would have done by their own. I have ever, as much as I could, wholly taken upon myself alone the hazard of our assignations to acquit them, and have always contrived our meetings after the hardest and most unusual manner, as less suspected, and moreover, in my opinion, more accessible. They are chiefly more open where they think they are most securely shut. Things least feared are least interdicted and observed.
one may more boldly dare what nobody thinks you dare, which by its difficulty becomes easy. Never had any man his approaches more impertinently generative. This way of loving is more according to discipline, but how ridiculous it is to our people, and how ineffectual. Who better knows than I? Yet I shall not repent me of it. I have nothing there more to lose. Me tabula sacer votiva paries indicat ubida suspendisi potenti vestimente maristeo. The holy wall by my votive table shows that I have hanged up my wet clothes in honor of the powerful god of the sea. Horace Odes one five thirteen. Tis now time to speak out. But as I might, peradventure, say to another, Thou talkest idly, my friend. The love of thy time has little commerce with faith and integrity. Haec si tu postules rationa certe facere nihil plus agas, quam si des operam ut cum ratione insanias. If you seek to make these things certain by reason, you will do more than if you should seek to be mad in your senses. Terence, Eunuchus, Act 1, Scene 1, 5, 16. On the contrary, also, if it were for me to begin again, certainly it should be by the same method and the same progress, how fruitless soever it might be to me. Folly and insufficiency are commendable in an incommendable action. The farther I go from their humor in this, I approach so much nearer to my own. As to the rest, in this traffic, I did not suffer myself to be totally carried away. I pleased myself in it, but did not forget myself. I retained the little sense and discretion that nature has given me, entire for their service and my own. A little emotion, but no dotage. My conscience also was engaged in it, even to debauch and licentiousness. But as to ingratitude, treachery, malice, and cruelty, never. I would not purchase the pleasure of this vice at any price, but content myself with its proper and simple cost. Nullum interesse vitium est. Nothing is a vice in itself. Seneca, Epistolae 95. I almost equally hate a stupid and slothful laziness, as I do a toilsome and painful employment. This pinches. The other lays me asleep. I like wounds as well as bruises, and cuts as well as dry blows. I found in this commerce, when I was the most able for it, a just moderation betwixt these extremes. Love is a sprightly, lively, and gay agitation. I was neither troubled nor afflicted with it, but heated and moreover disordered. A man must stop there. It hurts nobody but fools. A young man asked the philosopher Panetius if it were becoming a wise man to be in love. Let the wise man look to that, answered he. But let not thou and I, who are not so, engage ourselves in so stirring and violent an affair that enslaves us to others and renders us contemptible to ourselves. 
He said a soul that has not wherewithal to withstand its assaults and disprove practically the saying of a Jesselaus that prudence and love cannot live together. Tis a vain employment, tis true, unbecoming, shameful, and illegitimate. But carried on after this manner, I look upon it as wholesome and proper to enliven a drowsy soul and to rouse up a heavy body. And, as an experienced physician, I would prescribe it to a man of my form and condition, as soon as any other recipe whatever, to rouse and keep him in vigor till well advanced in years, and to defer the approaches of age. Whilst we are but in the suburbs, and that the pulse yet beats, dum nova canities, dum primat rectus inectus, dum superest lacesi quod torquiat et pedibusme portomeis nolo dextram subiunte bacillo. Whilst the white hair is new, whilst old age is still straight-shouldered, while there still remains something for lacesis to spin, whilst I walk upon my own legs and need no staff to lean upon. Juvenile three, twenty-six. We have need to be solicited and tickled by some such nipping incitation as this. Do but observe what youth, vigor, and gaiety inspired the good Anacreon withal. And Socrates, who was then older than I, speaking of an amorous object, leaning, said he, my shoulder to her shoulder and my head to hers, as we were reading together in a book, I felt, without dissembling, a sudden sting in my shoulder, like the body of an insect, which I still felt above five days after, and a continual itching crept into my heart. So that merely the accidental touch and of a shoulder heated and altered a soul, cooled and innerved by age, and the strictest liver of all mankind. And pray, why not? Socrates was a man, and would neither be nor seem any other thing. Philosophy does not contend against natural pleasures, provided they be moderate and only preaches moderation, not a total abstinence. The power of its resistance is employed against those that are adulterate and strange. Philosophy says that the appetites of the body ought not to be augmented by the mind, and ingeniously warns us not to stir up hunger by satiety, not to stuff instead of merely filling the belly to avoid all enjoyments that may bring us to want, and all meats and drinks that bring thirst and hunger. As in the service of love, she prescribed us to take such an object as may simply satisfy the body's need, and does not stir the soul, which ought only barely to follow and assist the body, without mixing in the affair. But have I not reason to hold that these precepts, which indeed in my opinion are somewhat overstrict, only concern a body in its best plight, and that in a body broken with age, as in a weak stomach, tis excusable to warm and support it by art, and by the mediation of the fancy, to restore the appetite, and cheerfulness it is lost of itself. May we not say that there is nothing in us during this earthly prison that is purely either corporeal or spiritual? and that we injuriously break up a man alive, and that it seems but reasonable that we should carry ourselves as favorably, at least towards the use of pleasure, as we do towards that of pain. 
Paine was, for example, vehement even to perfection in the souls of the saints by penitence. The body had there naturally a sham by the right of union, and yet might have but little part in the cause. And yet are they not contented that it should barely follow and assist the afflicted soul? They have afflicted itself with grievous and special torments, to the end that by emulation of one another the soul and body might plunge man into misery by so much more salutiferous as it is more severe. In like manner, is it not injustice in bodily pleasures to subdue and keep under the soul, and say that it must therein be dragged along as to some enforced and servile obligation and necessity? Tis rather her part to hatch and cherish them, there to present herself and to invite them, the authority of ruling belonging to her. As it is also her part, in my opinion, in pleasures that are proper to her, to inspire and infuse into the body all the sentiment it is capable of, and to study how to make them sweet and useful to it. For it is good reason, as they say, that the body should not pursue its appetites to the prejudice of the mind. But why is it not also the reason that the mind should not pursue hers to the prejudice of the body? I have no other passion to keep me in breath. What avarice, ambition, quarrels, lawsuits do for others who, like me, have no particular vocation, love would much more commodiously do. It would restore to me vigilance, sobriety, grace, and the care of my person. It would reassure my countenance so that the grimaces of old age, those deformed and dismal looks, might not come to disgrace it would again put me upon sound and wise studies by which I might render myself more loved and esteemed, clearing my mind of the despair of itself and of its use, and reintegrating it to herself, would divert me from a thousand troublesome thoughts, a thousand melancholic humors, that idleness and the ill posture of our health loads us withal at such an age, would warm again, in dreams at least, the blood that nature is abandoning, would hold up the chin and a little stretch out the nerves, the vigor and gaiety of life that poor man who is going full drive towards his ruin. But I very well understand that it is a commodity hard to recover. By weakness and long experience, our taste has become more delicate and nice. We ask most when we bring least and are harder to choose when we least deserve to be accepted. And knowing ourselves for what we are, we are less confident and more distrustful. Nothing can assure us of being beloved, considering our condition and theirs. I am out of countenance to see myself in company with those young wanton creatures. Cuius in indomito constantior inguine nervus, quam noa colibus arbor in hirat. In those unbridled reins the vigor is more inherent than in the young tree on the hill. Horace Epodes, 1219. To what end should we go insinuate our misery amid their gay and sprightly humor? Posunt ut juvenes viseri ferwedi multo non sinerisu dilaps in ceneres facem. And the fervid youths may behold not without laughter 
a burning torch worn to ashes. Horace Odes 4.13.21 They have strength and reason on their side. Let us give way. We have nothing to do there, and these blossoms of springing beauty suffer not themselves to be handled by such benumbed hands, nor dealt with by mere material means. For as the old philosopher answered one who jeered him because he could not gain the favor of a young girl he made love to, Friend, the hook will not stick in such soft cheese. It is a commerce that requires relation and correspondence. The other pleasures we receive may be acknowledged by recompense of another nature, but this is not to be paid but with the same kind of coin. In earnest, in this sport, the pleasure I give more tickles my imagination than that they give me. Now, he has nothing of generosity in him who can receive pleasure where he confers none. It must needs be a mean soul that will owe all and can be content to maintain relations with persons to whom he is in a continual charge. There is no beauty, grace, nor privacy so exquisite that a gentleman ought to desire at this rate. If they can only be kind to us out of pity, I had much rather die than live upon charity. I would have right to ask, in the style wherein I heard them beg in Italy, Fate ben per voi, do good for yourself. Or after the manner that Cyrus exhorted his soldiers, Who loves himself, let him follow me. Consort yourself, someone will say to me, with women of your own condition, whom like fortune will render more easy to your desire. Oh, ridiculous and insipid composition! Nolo barbum wellere mortuo leoni. I would not pluck the beard from a dead lion. Marshall. Xenophon lays it for an objection and an accusation against Menon that he never made love to any but old women. For my part, I take more pleasure in but with seeing the just and sweet mixture of two young beauties, or only in meditating on it in my fancy than myself in acting second in a pitiful and imperfect conjunction, which Cotton renders than to be myself an actor in the second with a deformed creature. I leave that fantastic appetite to the Emperor Galba, who was only for old curried flesh, and to this poor wretch. O ego di faciant talem te canere possum, Caraque mutatis oscula fericomis, amplectique meis corpus non pingui lacertis. Ovid, who, ex ponto one four forty nine, writes to his wife, Oh, would the gods arrange that such I might see thee, and bring dear kisses to thy changed locks, and embrace thy withered body with my arms? Amongst chief deformities I reckon forced and artificial beauties. Haman, a young boy of Chios, thinking by fine dressing to acquire the beauty that nature had denied him, came to the philosopher Arkesilaus and asked him if it was possible for a wise man to be in love. Yes, replied he, provided it not be with a farted and adulterated beauty like thine. Diogenes Laertius the question was whether a wise man could love him. Cotton has, 
Amonea, young courtesan of Chios. Ugliness of a confessed antiquity is to me less old and less ugly than another that is polished and plastered up. Shall I speak it without the danger of having my throat cut? Love, in my opinion, is not properly and naturally in its season, but in the age next to childhood. Quem si puellarum inserares coro mile sagaces falaret hospites, discrimen obscurum salutis crendibus ambiguoque voltu. Whom, if thou shouldst place in a company of girls, it would require a thousand experts to distinguish him with his loose locks and ambiguous countenance. Horace Odes, 2, 5, 21. Nor beauty neither. For whereas Homer extends it so far as to the budding of the beard, Plato himself has remarked this is rare. And the reason why the sophist Bion, so pleasantly called the first appearing of hairs of adolescence, Aristogitons and Harmodiuses, Plutarch on Love, chapter 34, is sufficiently known. I find it in virility already in some sort a little out of date, though not so much as in old age. Importunus enim transvolat auridas quercus, for it uncivilly passes over withered oaks. Horace Odes 4.13.9 And uh, Margaret, uh, Queen of Navarre, like a woman, very far extends the advantage of women, ordaining that it is time, at thirty years old, to convert the title of fair into that of good. The shorter authority we give to love over our lives, it is so much the better for us. Do but observe his port. Tis a beardless boy, who knows not how, in his school, they proceed contrary to all order, study, exercise, and usage, are their ways for insufficiency, their novices rule. Amor ordinum nescit. Love ignores the rules, or... Love Knows No Rule, St. Jerome, Letter to Caiomatius. Doubtless his conduct is much more graceful when mixed with inadvertency and trouble. Miscarriages and ill successes give him point and grace. Provided it be sharp and eager, tis no great matter whether it be prudent or no. Do but observe how he goes reeling, tripping, and playing. You put him in the stocks when you guide him by art and wisdom, and he is restrained of his divine liberty when put into these hairy and callous clutches. As to the rest, I often hear the women set out this intelligence as entirely spiritual and disdain to put the interest the senses there have into consideration. Everything there serves but I can say that I have often seen that we excuse the weakness of their understandings in favor of their outward beauty, but have never yet seen that in favor of mind, how mature and full soever. Any of them would hold out a hand to a body that was never so little in decadence. Why does not some one of them take it into her head to make that noble Socratical bargain between body and soul, purchasing a philosophical and spiritual intelligence and generation at the price of her thighs, which is the highest price she can get for them. 
Plato ordains in his laws that he who has performed any signal and advantageous exploit in war may not be refused during the whole expedition, his age or ugliness notwithstanding, a kiss or any other amorous favor from any woman whatever. What he thinks to be so just in recommendation of military valor, why may it not be the same in recommendation of any other good quality? And why does not some woman take a fancy to possess over her companions the glory of this chaste love? I may well say chaste. Nam si quando ad proilio ventest, ut quondam in stipulis magnus sine viribus ignis in casum furit. For when they sometimes engage in love's battle, his sterile ardor lights up but as the flame of a straw. Virgil Georgics 3.98 The vices that are stifled in thought are not the worst. To conclude this notable commentary, which has escaped from me in a torrent of babble, a torrent sometimes impetuous and hurtful, what missum sponsi fortivo munera malum procurat casto virginus agremio, quod miserae oblitae molis of veste locatuat, Dumad went to matris proselyt excutator, atque illud prono praeceps agitator decursu, huic manat tristi conscius ore rubor. As when an apple, sent by a lover secretly to his mistress, falls from the chaste virgin's bosom, where she had quite forgotten it, when, starting at her mother's coming in, it is shaken out and rolls over the floor before her eyes, a conscious blush covers her face. Catullus forty five nineteen. I say that males and females are cast in the same mould, and that education and usage accepted, the difference is not great. Plato indifferently invites both the one and the other to the society of all studies, exercises, and vocations, both military and civil, in his commonwealth. And the philosopher Antisthenes rejected all distinction between their virtue and ours. It is much more easy to accuse one sex than to excuse the other. Tis according to the saying, Le fourgon se moque de la paille, the pot and the kettle. End of section 12. Reading by Malone.